Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's the Jim Fannin Show. We've come to take your mind. Am I still on... in the house we're talking everything ammonia fuel and provincial politics he's the leader of the none of the above party welcome aboard buckle in (laughs) the producer cut the shit a little tight there bro vester thanks for taking the time it's been a while to getting you on. I know you're busy, so thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. What's up? Oh, oh we got a we got yep. the right look. Everything's up. Losing my heart rate. <laughs> Good man. Uh, just for the people that don't know, I've had you on the show before. Tell us a little bit about Vez, who he is, where he grew up, and how the hell did you get to this place, fighting the battles that you're fighting? This is only an hour show, Jim. <laughs> yeah, the intro will take longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> Born and raised in North Bay, Ontario, one of nine kids. Uh, we're all still alive. Um, left home when I was uh, in grade nine and ran away and joined the carnival. Traveled all over the states. Three balls for a buck, one in, you win. Take the teddy bear home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Play fast, win big, go home early. Play fast, win fast, go home early. <laughs> Prize every time. 25 a quarter to play, reach in, pick them out any month at all. We toss in the crazy ball, top of them all. We'll tell you when you win, come in, come in. Birthday time, family time, fun time. We can do that one for an hour if you like. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, and uh, ended up working in a radio station in a phone room, selling radio advertising. And two years later, ended up with our own company, Met my wife, Kathy, when I was working out in uh, Saskatoon. And she joined the company, and then we owned our own company. And and then we found hydrogen. I was minding my own business, waiting in the garage for my car to get fixed. And there's this article about uh, using solar energy to make hydrogen to make fuel. Mm-hmm. And we made some money. And, you know, Kathy's family were... Farmers in Saskatchewan, and they had a farm with ammonia. And I told her father a car would run in ammonia, and he said, "Can it now?" <laughs> and that was the beginning. So we ended up investing in the technology in a company in California, and 
they had some difficulties and we hired all the staff and brought them to uh, the farm in Unity, Saskatchewan and converted a 1981 Chevy Impala and drove it across Canada, ended up on Parliament Hill on Constitution Day. Ed Schreier was a supporter. We'd met him in Winnipeg six months before the conference. He was a big uh, uh, supporter of Hottage when he was Premier of Manitoba before he became Governor General. And on Constitution Day, he had a press conference and everybody but Trudeau showed up. He had to run across the street and tell everybody that he'd got stuck René Levesque between the shoulder blades while he was sleeping. Uh, but uh, Cretchen showed up in Lalonde and the cabinet and and, you know, when they drove the ammonia car and the launch said, assuming we can make it on a competitive basis with oil, that they would support us and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, they didn't last very long. And the Tories got elected. In the meantime, the National Research Council did a big study on ammonia. And they concluded there was no technical uh, problems. It was uh, widely available and it could be utilized. And then the Conservatives got elected and sent us a nice letter telling us they'd make sure ammonia wasn't viable for several decades. (laughs) Yeah. So we went back in the advertising business. And over the years, you know, we've been entrepreneurs. We made some money. We started Online Direct, the first internet marketing company, marketing services company in Canada. Uh, I sold that. It went public. I sold it. Um... And I was going to keep my stock, but I didn't like what management was going to do. So I just sold all my stock and walked away. Uh, and then we started a company that reverse engineered Java called Highway Software. And uh, we built a knowledge map, which is a search engine based on common language and scientific term, which is a dual label search engine, much like Oxford Dictionary has 500,000 words of the common language and the scientific term. Anyway, we tried to do that and we uh, got a contract with Sun Micro and, and uh, oh, it's a long story, uh, but that ended up, you know, blowing up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in 2007, six and seven, CBC called me up and said, hey, it's been 25 years since your hydrogen car was on the national news. Awesome. What are you doing? And uh, so they did a story on us, and that sort of got us started again. And then we spent, you know, the last 15 years since we started again, uh, you know, getting into business. And now we're in business. We have technology. We've converted trucks and cars now since then. And uh, we've uh, licensed a whole bunch of technology from uh, Georgia Tech to make ammonia. And we bought a company called Contact that can crack the hydrogen back out of ammonia. So a few days ago, we announced we can make green hydrogen from green ammonia at uh, about a tenth of the cost of fossil fuels and of making ammonia from hydrocarbons. So uh, I've been waiting 40 years for a shot at, uh, at what I'm going to get to do now over the next few years. And in the meantime, I got mad and and founded the Green Party, was a chief agent and treasurer, as you know. You were a candidate for us several times. Yeah. I finally got fed up with that, and then the Green Party got maywashed. Yeah. Uh, maywashed means everything that anybody did in the party before the next leader showed up in May uh, disappeared. Mm-hmm. Same thing basically happened to the Ontario Green Party. It got uh, Schreiner washed. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it's interesting, before Mike Schreiner and Elizabeth May, who are both Americans, 
who came to Canada. Uh, the Green Party supported democracy and freedom of speech and all candidates being on debates. But now that they're there, they only believe in them and their candidates being on debates. So it's the Green Party. It's the Hong Kong version of the Green Party. So anyway, I got so fed up. Uh, I, I worked with Mike Harris. I helped him become premier. I, uh, I drafted a referendum bill with the Tony Clementi committee. He, he ran a majority on that. And he promised to keep his promises and pass the referendum law. He never did. So I went to work for Dalton McGinney, and he promised with Gerald Botts at a dinner at Harbor 60 with Murray McLaughlin, the musician, oh, yeah. and Peter Riggenstrafe, uh, the, the Tory consultant, Dr. Peter. Uh, he promised to run in favor of PR and campaign in favor of it. Right. And, of course, he got a big majority, and then he started campaigning against it and told everybody he had to double the number of MVPs and blah, blah, blah. So me, I'm not very smart. I'm, you know, like Canadians. <laughs> I keep choosing between red and blue, red and right. blue, red and blue. Yes. And so I uh, went to Ottawa at a conference with a guy named Trudeau. And Gerald Botts and I had a meeting with good old, uh, good old uh, Justine, Justine. Justine. And Justine uh, promised to, uh, to run in favor of PR. And this is the end of First Past Post. And, of course, we know that Jerry got me twice. Uh, just, Justine, uh, Justine just didn't do it, did Justine? Justine just wasn't up to the job. Anyway, so, you know, here we are. I finally got fed up in 2014 and started the... I actually applied to be a candidate for the Green Party of Ontario, and they refused. Right. The, the chief editor, founder, chief agent treasurer of the federal party who led the party 25,000 when it was getting wiped out because it needed thousand dollar deposits. Right. My wife and I mortgaged our house, lent the party 25,000, waited 10 years for our money back. And I applied to be a candidate and uh, Mike Schreiner and the Ontario green party said, no, oh, you're too toxic. I tell the truth. <laughs> yeah, I'm not cool. welcome in any political party uh, today because mm -hmm. I tell the truth. Mm -hmm. So, uh, except the none of the above, because you're allowed to tell the truth. All right. So anyway, I got fed up, and I started the none of the above party, and I went. They wouldn't let me register the name. They said there was a rule of law. I said, show me the law, and they showed me the law, and that wasn't the law said. The law said you couldn't have a name that confused with an existing party. So I said, okay, and I ran into court, and I served them, and the registrar gave me an emergency hearing at 2 o'clock, and at 2 minutes to 2 as I'm marching into court, uh, they conceded and let me register the name. But it took so long that I only could register like eight candidates. I didn't have any time to do anything, right? Anyway, we ran eight candidates. But in 2018, we ran 42 candidates, which is a third of the ridings. Uh, and we average around 1% of the vote in the ridings we run in. And in, in 2022, we've already got 65, I think, 65, 66 candidates now. We're trying to get to 124. Anybody listening, if you believe in democracy and you live in Ontario, uh, you have the right to get on the ballot. Then you have the right to be suppressed. You have to be. You have the right to be arrested when you go to the local school and asked to speak at the local all candidates debates, which only has four candidates. Uh, if you go to the TV station that's having the all candidates debates uh, and you ask to speak there, you'll get arrested too. Uh, uh, if you want to know how our democracy works, you just have to look at Hong Kong. 
where the elites decide the parties, the elites decide the candidates, the elites decide the leaders, the elites decide who gets on the media. And if you dare try and interfere with our little fucking circus, we arrest you. Okay? At least in Hong Kong, you know you're fucked, okay? Yeah. You're fucked. You're screwed the morning you get up. Mm-hmm. Over here, everybody's fat, dumb, and happy like a fucking frog in a boiling pot of water, eh? What a bunch of idiots we are. Anyway, so here we are. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to save the planet over 40 years with hydrofuel. If anybody listened to me 40 years ago, we wouldn't be where we are today. And for 40 years, I've been screaming politics. Please listen. And for 40 years, they've been arresting me at the local school for asking to speak. And so Canada's a democracy. Yeah, horse shit. Anything else? Uh, that's a pretty good lead in there, bro. Um, f- I'd like to, you know what? I'm glad you hit on the ammonia first because I think we should play these old clips. I found your YouTube channel and subscribe to it today. This one's oh, cool. back, back, back to the future. Is it called? Yeah. And this is an old clip. Uh, you won't be able to see it, but you've seen it before. You'll be able to yeah, hear I've it. I've seen it once or twice. But they, <laughs> this is a CBC. When did this run? This ran on the 25th anniversary on, on one day on November 6th. Uh, uh, shit, where am I? Uh, 2007 or 6. Okay. On the 25th anniversary of 1981, 2006. Oh. Of, of us being on Parliament Hill. All right. I'm going to roll the clip. to the future 25 years later why hasn't this canadian's clean green hydrogen fueled machine taken over the roads drive a hybrid think you're pretty smart well your vehicle may be fuel efficient but ahead of the curve sorry that prize goes to greg vezina 25 years ago, he found fame by getting his Chevy Impala to run on something he called hydrofuel. So what happened to Vezina and his Chevy? In tonight's Checking In, Pia Shadapadai finds out. Well, here we are. It's the first time I've been in this thing in about 10 years. Greg Vezina fancies himself a man ahead of the times, and he was 25 years ago. He retrofitted his 1981 Chevy Impala into a car for the future, fueled by what Vezina named hydrofuel, essentially ammonia, which is a mix of hydrogen with a little nitrogen. The exhaust was clean and it was cheaper to run his car on hydrofuel than on gasoline. Even the energy minister of the day took it for a spin and said he liked it. So did the governor general. All in all, Vezina thought he had a winner. Within five years, assuming the government attitude towards the technology was proper, it would be available to the consumers. Yeah! Oh, Fast forward to today. Whoa! That's great. It's open. There's a fuel of the future. 25 years of rust on it. Vezina's vehicle sits idle. It still starts, and Vezina still believes it's the cure for the world's energy woes. But he says shortly after his appearance on Parliament Hill back in 81, interest in his idea all but disappeared. 
Vezina speculates it's because the government owned Petro-Canada, so there wasn't much political will to develop alternative fuels. What do I say? I mean, you know, you can be right, but you got to wait for history. And that's basically what happened to us. We were right, but history wasn't ready. The world wasn't ready. Today, nearly every major car maker is working on alternative fuel technologies, predicting consumers will be driving vehicles entirely powered by those technologies as early as six years from now. But many analysts say it will be many more years, perhaps as many as 30, before hydrogen-run cars will be clogging our highways because the technology is still so expensive. There's not enough money to support all of this development that's required. And thus, there is a viable role for government uh, to come in and to support some of these initiatives uh, to try to kickstart them to, to keep them going. As for Greg Vezina, he's thinking of once again kickstarting his project. 25 years on, he says the dream's still alive, and it may be time to go back to the future again. Kia Chattopadhyay, CBC News, Toronto. Wow, that's awesome, brother. Man, do you ever look young in that photo, man? Jeez, it's a lot of weight. A lot of weight. Handsome. Uh, oh, Handsome young man. <laughs> yeah. Now, this one's coming up. What's this one? Hydro Inc. Update. Is this uh, media? Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, we might as well roll into this one, too. Yeah. Thirty years ago, we did our 1981 shove and pallet and ran on 100% ammonia. Um, history wasn't ready. The world wasn't ready. Today, the world is. This is prototype number two. This is the diesel ammonia multi-fuel system. This is prototype number three. And this is the gasoline ammonia multi-fuel system. All right, and here we have the gasoline ammonia uh, conversion prototype we're working on. There's the ammonia tank. This uh, particular system is designed to run on gasoline and ammonia. Uh, so you'll start the vehicle, it'll run for 30 seconds on gasoline, and then it'll run on 100% ammonia. Uh, we will have 100% reduction in carbon emissions because there's no carbon in the fuel, except for the 30 seconds when you start it, um, uh, and much lower nitrous oxide emissions. Uh, it's higher efficiency um, and higher power output than conventional fuels. This vehicle is the, uh, the uh, diesel ammonia propane CNG multi-fuel system. This particular uh, tank is propane. So right now this system is running on diesel and propane. Uh, on Tuesday, we'll put the ammonia system in it. And essentially what you're able to do is run it on diesel and any other fuel. Uh, reductions in, in carbon emissions will be 50, about 50% or 25 to 50, depending on what alternative fuel you use with it uh, and lower nitrous oxide emissions. So with these two technologies, we have a gasoline technology, we have a diesel technology um, that will meet, meet emission standards today without the new sophisticated emission control units. Manufacturers and users will be able to save about 50% on the cost of retrofitting vehicles and generators to meet emission levels by using this new turnkey technology. Here we go. This is the diesel conversion system. There's the new hardware. Over on this side is our new ICU. We own our own emissions uh, control 
uh, units and our own software to make it operate. It's plug and play. You just plug it into your existing system. There it goes. Go ahead and start it up. And there it is. And this is a multi-fuel system, so depending on how much load you have, it draws more and more ammonia. When you're at full load, it draws the maximum amount of ammonia, which is just slightly less than 50%. This is the switch that you uh, switch, mm -hmm. and so that it shows you you're drawing, you know, the alternative fuels. You're drawing different fuels, depending on the load. So the more load you put on the system, as I said, the more fuel that it draws. And of course, you notice because ammonia is a more efficient fuel than diesel or gasoline, you have about 110% net efficiency and about 120% net power output. So it's a more powerful fuel. But because there's less carbon in it, there'll be less wear and tear uh, and maintenance required. You don't have to change your oils off. Okay, this is the program we use that controls the fuel map that works with the ICU. This is our own software. We own it. And uh, this is what makes it work. Because we've produced our own uh, emissions control or ICU ignition control system and our own software, our own fuel maps, you can control whether you have higher efficiency or higher or lower emissions. So what you can do is, is you can set your system up so that it runs uh, more efficiently and gives you a much more power output, as much as 20% increase in power. Or you can do it so that it, although no matter what you do, it's going to be lower emissions, you can run it very lean and get extremely low emissions and still get at least the power that the manufacturer gave you. In this particular case, it's set up right now for high efficiency. So when you punch it, this is a diesel truck. And as you can see, you know, zero to 60 in about seven, seven, seven seconds. 30 years ago, we did our 1981 shove and power. scared the cameraman. 100% ammonia. Um, history wasn't ready. The world wasn't ready. Today, the world is. NH3 fuel, baby. That is some classic stuff, man. I haven't watched that for a long time, man. Tell, okay, so getting into the meat of this stuff, um, why did it take so long and why is now the time? Why is this actually going to work this time? Uh, we didn't have to do it. It's simple. Okay? The world is is reactive. It's not proactive. We see the train coming. All we have to do is get off the tracks. Mm -hmm. Nah. We wait for it to hit us. And then we bleed. You know? And then we say, shit. We should have probably built a uh, crossing over that track. So, uh, and then we wait for 34 more people to get killed before they build the crossing. So the reality is we didn't have to do it. Now we have to do it. Uh, and the environmental reasons to do it were not the reasons all along. The reasons to do it were economic. The reasons were because 13 countries in the world supply 90% of the world's energy. And what we need to do is get to 90% of the countries in the world supplying their own energy. And when you do that, you decouple the stranglehold uh, between first world and third world economics. The best example of that is Brazil. And that was the one success in terms of developing an alternative fuel to replace imports. 
it was a bit of an environmental disaster, but you know, there's trade-offs on everything. So Brazil was being bankrupt. They could not afford the oil, their debt load, they were bankrupt. So they decided we're gonna make ethanol, we're gonna use sugarcane, we're gonna bulldoze hundreds of thousands of hectares of rainforest, and we're gonna plant sugarcane and we're gonna make alcohol fuels. And they did. And the monsoons came and it washed away all their fields. That's no problem. Get the bulldozers out there. We'll go again. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And they did that for, I think, six or seven years. They just bulldozed rainforest every year to plant a new crop. And then someone figured out tree rows. To keep the soil in. You probably had a Saskatchewan farmer down there who said, hey, idiots. Anyway, so they figured out soil management. So by the 10th year, they had about 10 times the original production in production, but they also had everything they lost. They managed to replant. And uh, by the 25th year, uh, not a single engine or vehicle in the world that runs on alcohol fuels is not built in Brazil. And every car company has a plant in Brazil to build their alcohol vehicles. Wow. And they're a net exporter of energy and automotive engineering technology. Now, for the first 15 years doing this, it was an economic disaster. And it was an environmental disaster. Ah, but for the next 10, things really changed. And so here's the numbers you can spend about 10 times as much on domestic energy production as imported energy and your net level over a generation. And the reason is simple. Over 25 years, that 10 times you spent circulated in your own economy 25 times and it generated 35% tax revenue every time it went around. Whereas that one-tenth you spent sending the money out of your economy to foreign whoever's ended up coming back into your economy as foreign investments at brutal rates, buying your infrastructure, and then charging interest on the money it took to buy it from you. So we have to develop technologies to stop importing energy. It's, there's no question. Now, can we do it? No, <laughs> we can't. It's gonna take us, if we're lucky, it's gonna take us 50 years in, in most countries, um, but the world is gonna use oil and gas for the next 100 years, okay? Unless some miracle happens. And the reason is the oil and gas business is so big. 80% of the energy we use worldwide is liquid fuels. Only 25% is electricity. If you want to increase uh, the supply of energy and eliminate liquid fuels and put everything on batteries, Let's forget about where we're going to get the nickel and the, you know, and the lithium and the, forget where we're going to get all that. 
And forget how many people are going to die mining the cobalt in, in you know, in Nigeria. Um, forget all that. Let's assume that, that a battery vehicle is zero emission. There's nothing more bullshit than that statement. Mm-hmm. There might be zero carbon in the tailpipe. Yeah. But in many battery vehicles, especially these big SUVs, there's going to be as much life cycle pollution from them as there is running diesel that's, fuel. I guess that's where the idea that you're driving a 1970 diesel truck that gets black smoke coming out the tailpipe is still more environmentally friendly than buying a, a brand new hybrid. Well, no, that's not true. That's that's a little bit of rhetoric there, Jim, you, because you, uh, because diesel engines between 1970 and today are 95% more efficient. And less polluting. Okay. In combustion engineering today, the science, they are so good. These things work so well. And the emissions are the fleet emissions are so low compared to the fleet emissions in the 70s. And in the 50s, they were lead. We were poisoning our kids, for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's a bit of a misnomer. What it is, is there's two numbers you got to look at. You got to look at energy density per pound. So how much energy can I carry per pound of what carries it? What's in it? Batteries or or liquid fuel? Okay, well, ammonia is about 12 times better in energy density per pound than batteries. Okay, so no. Uh, So as I say, to replace all the liquid fuels, we don't have to increase our electrical capacity four times. Right, because 20% is electricity. We're going to do it with renewable energy. For every kilowatt of green energy, you need three because it's not constant, it's interruptible. And it's, 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 it's round around efficiency to generate it, store it, and regenerate it, even with our technology, is 50%. So now you've got three times four is 12. So now we've got to increase the generating capacity 12 times. Now you got to increase the grid capacity 12 times. Now, as soon as you put three houses in a block with 250 kV chargers, the electricity grid can't handle it. So now we've got to replace the entire grid 12 times. Start to finish. It's not going to happen. Okay. Much, much better to do two things. One is to repurpose underutilized infrastructure. I'll give you two examples. One, the uh, the pipeline. You can transport one and a half times more hydrogen in uh, an oil and gas pipeline than you can in oil and gas. Because remember, it's half or more carbon. So we ship this oil and gas all around the world. You burn it, we blast it in the atmosphere. Well, why was shipping the carbon? Uh, and you can ship ammonia at much lower pressures than gas and temperatures. It takes 40% of the energy in natural gas to liquefy it, to put it on an LNG ship. Why? So, in terms of large-scale capacity, we can convert our natural gas into ammonia. We can capture the carbon and not vent it, not put it in the atmosphere. That has a cost. And Trudeau will have to stop exempting them from 90%. Uh, 
They'll have to put a real price on all pollution. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. A real, real grade five math price. It pollutes, it pays. No 15,000 word fuel policy that exempts everyone burning trees mm-hmm. using food crops for fuel has no environmental pollution tax, carbon tax. Oh, but we'll give you a green fuel subsidy for that. Ethanol only contains 75% of the energy in it that was in the ammonia and the diesel fuel used to make it. You're better off burning the fucking diesel fuel and using the ammonia than you are the ethanol. However, if you're replacing imported energy with domestic energy, it makes sense. Because all that money is not leaving your economy. It's staying in your economy, going around and around, creating employment, advancing technology, advancing your industrial footprint, and creating export opportunities, okay? So back to the original point. We've got to get off oil. We've got to develop new technologies. But we have to do them economically as possible. So we can't say we're going to give $5,000 battery vehicle subsidies and cost $200 a ton to get rid of carbon and then tell the ammonia industry that we're not charging you the $60 a ton for the two tons of carbon you make creating ammonia. We're going to give you a 90% exemption so it costs you $6. So you can pollute until the carbon price is $170 a ton. But if the carbon price applied today, you wouldn't pollute at all. But no, we'll let you pollute, and then we'll spend $200 a ton on battery subsidies to to reduce carbon. Oh, and we'll let all the other pollution from batteries and the coal plants that make the electricity and the gas plants that back up the wind and solar are all exempt from their pollution because because they're unicorn farts. They're our prime minister's unicorn farts. So someday, somehow, some way, in some country on earth, somebody with a grade five math and science who is not Greta Thumberger, who will say, shame on you for destroying my future. While she talks on her iPhone and she uses her iPad. Oh, my God. Okay. Someday, some five-year-old will explain to all the smart people, I learned one and one is two. And no matter how many times I looked at how you did it, it ain't two. It doesn't add up. Tell Jim, us, it's a, it's a joke. It's tell a us a joke. little bit about uh, small point production and the existing infrastructure that can be used for ammonia. What is there okay. already? Yeah. So I started down on that before I went on a little more of my rants. But yeah. anyway, so you can repurpose the pipelines and, and ship and transport one and a half times the amount of large production of energy uh, of new sources or of the existing hydrocarbons where you crack the carbon out and leave it right there are lots of technologies there's microwave 
There's firing oxygen below ground like they're doing in Alberta that Suncor developed. Uh, there's you can you can make char out of the carbon. You can make carbon black. Goodyear just signed a billion dollar contract uh, for 20 years to crack carbon out of coal, and they're using the carbon black to make their tires, and it's cheaper than they can make it anywhere. And they gave the hydrogen away free to the company that put the deal together. Like, hello, wow. this works. Yeah. If you get out of the way, politician, and go go to the Agacons. Trudeau, mm. go to the Agacons forever. Go to his island. Mm -hmm. Don't come back until election day. The country will be fine. It'll be mm -hmm. perfect. Because industry, if you let business and you let science and you let technology and you let mathematics work, it will do the job. But as long as the largest sector of your economy is applying for government grants, mm -hmm. it's not going to work. Ooh. So as I said, now the other place where there's a huge advantage is in the ammonia distribution network. Because people forget that producing energy is about half of it. Then distributing it's the other half. Right. Half the energy in liquid fuels is used up transporting it all around the world to refine it and then send it to market. Half. half. Wow. Okay. So come on. Okay. So look, you got a distribution network for ammonia. You got pipeline right up the middle of the United States, goes to the east, goes to the uh, uh, the west. You can go to the east. Okay. Right now, the fertilizer industry fills up the, the storage tanks at the end users for six months or five months and two weeks. And then the farmers in the spring, they empty it all, they fill it all up. And then the fall, they empty it all again. If that inventory, if that storage capacity was what they call throughput, which is like oil and gas, where you refill it every two weeks, where you're not storing it for five months, we could increase the supply of ammonia to large users on the existing infrastructure by 20 times. 20 times. Now look, Jim, there's no sector on earth where you can increase large-scale distribution in pipelines by 50%. There's nothing exists where you can increase it by 50% without spending a nickel. Mm -hmm. And there's certainly nowhere on earth where you have something that's underutilized by 20 times. Wow. So we have a huge opportunity to kickstart this in terms of large scale. Because remember, the oil and gas business is real, 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 real big business. Right. You could build uh, uh, 5,000 Tesla plants the size of the one in Nevada, and the batteries output from that plant, all those 5,000 plants, for 50 years would store five minutes of the U.S. energy demand. That's how big it is. Okay? So we've got to go and use, utilize the infrastructure that we have now, repurpose it, where we can do it at lower cost than building new. And then when we're going to build new, we build at the end use. We build a generating capacity right at the end user so that we can make the fuel at the end use 
and then we don't need to 50, increase the grid 15 times because we build where we use. And that reduces energy consumption by 50%. There's how to get to net zero. Mm-hmm. No other way. Okay, so uh, logistically, if you're the yeah. di- if you're the dictator of North America, how do you how do you manage this politically? I uh, I would eliminate all grants and subsidies to anybody for anything, and I would introduce a life cycle pollution tax on all pollution that would have the life cycle price. So nuclear, it would include include the price of having two security guards in a hot in front of the uh, the burial plant for a hundred thousand years. <laughs> oh, nuclear is cheap. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> so, pardon my language, but anyway. So no. So I would create. I bring in a grade five math mathematician, <laughs> and I bring someone from grade five science, and they would be the finance minister and the minister of science, <laughs> and they would be in charge. <laughs> and okay, and they just ask why. And their job is to say, why does this cost more than that? And why are we paying for it? And of course, no one could answer them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no, I would seriously, I would implement a user pay economy. You consume, you pay. You don't consume, you don't pay. Mm-hmm. Why should people that ride in buses on hot summer days, diesel buses with no air conditioning, be subsidizing battery Teslas for rich people? Mm-hmm. It's just criminal. This is bullshit. So we'd have a user pay economy, and it wouldn't only be for energy if I was the boy. It would be for everything. Oh, you want to import something from China where they don't have any environmental laws? No problem. It's 50% import duty. Wow. Mm-hmm. You want to level the playing field? The reason we got rid of the provincial sales tax in Ontario because Ontario manufacturers and companies were charged 12% more than imports. So we created a GST so that imports did not have an automatic advantage and we weren't destroying our goddamn industry. Mm. So we're doing the same thing with environment. You can, you can murder babies and make oil out of them and ship it in here for face cream. Fuck, okay? I mean, it's ridiculous. It, look at they're doing with palm oil, for Christ's sakes. It's criminal. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it, and we're allowing it. And we're not, there's no environmental tax on palm oil. I'll get subsidized if I want to use it in my car. We're chopping down old growth trees in Vancouver and BC and shipping them to the United Kingdom to a big power plant, a pallet plant. At the same time, they're chopping down trees in Norway's and we're shipping them to northern Ontario to the old coal plant up in Lennox and Thunder Bay that's running on Norway's wood chips. And I'm wrong, and I'm radical, and I'm loud, and I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. No. Wrong. Triple bottom line accounting. Across the board. Across the board. And Full the, cost accounting. And I, want, I want environmental consequence. I want social consequence. Mm-hmm. All our jobs are lost because mm-hmm. low wages in third world countries are shipping their shit in here. 
uh, and I want economic constants in terms of balance of payments or trade. Anything comes into this country, I want to know what it'll cost us to knock it off. When you Make it ourselves. When you truly level the playing field, then what happens to the old fuels as far as prices go? Well, must, they're screwed. They China's screwed. Okay, if you if you look, and 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 by and and Biden's plan and these fools' plans uh, to go down hog wild on batteries, the only solution is going to make is going to replace the the thirteen countries that supply oil with China. It's going to supply solar panels and wind generators because they have the manufacturing capacity and because they don't have any costs. No environmental control. Well, well, and not only that, no energy costs. They're going to buy oil from Russia for, mm. and gas for the next 50 years. Nobody's going to buy anything from Russia, trust me. If anything comes from Russia, it hits a border on any other country for the next 50 years, it's going to be embargoed. You watch. No matter what happens now, it's already over. They've already made enemies for generations. They'll be lucky if Russia and, and Eastern Europe doesn't end up like the Middle East, where they hate each other for thousands and thousands of years. Hmm. Okay? And and I hope, I hope, no, I won't say it. Anyway, okay, so, so, no. Thank you, Putin. You forced the world to now make the fucking decisions that we've been refusing to make. And, and if you think Saudi Arabia is any more democratic than Russia, you're on drugs. Well, we are on drugs, so no matter that. For sure. But, yeah. No, like, come on, okay? So when's, what China, is it? when's China get their due, then? Oh, we're in big trouble with China. Because we're going to get off oil and go to China for everything else. The one thing that can save us is if, if, oil, if, if, if oil gets so expensive that the transportation component of manufacturing is so great that it becomes a problem. When oil hit $150 a barrel years ago, uh, uh, China was in big, big trouble because what was happening was their labor costs were rising and rising. They had a 40% advantage on labor costs over the rest of the world. But their labor costs were rising and rising, and then their energy costs were rising and rising, and they're in big trouble. So the 2008 recession saved their ass. But now they got, you know, they got the same problem. In fact, they have a bigger problem because wages there are about 70, 72% of the global average. Okay. And as soon as transportation fuel costs moved from the 4 or 5% uh, that they were to over 10%, their margins are gone. And indeed, the margins are already gone because not only have transportation costs gone up, shipping costs, the cost to ship a container has gone from $5,000 to $25,000. Yeah, you would think those margins of transportation, of refining and everything, and storage and everything like that, and getting it around the world for, would already have been lost. Those well, margins should be you know, gone. they're buying a lot of cheap oil from Russia. Right. So, But even that is not going to save them. Uh, uh, you know, from from an economic conundrum that the rest of us are going to face, uh, you know, with you know, if the price of oil is allowed to go, you know, through the roof. Mm -hmm. 
Les, I want to keep you on time here. We're real, we're dragging the shit out of this. Tell me who's doing it and in what capacity now. Who's doing ammonia right now? Oh, geez, everybody in the world's doing, Jimmy. Large scale. Uh, if you shipping. go to ammoniaenergy.org, uh, it's the big industry association. All the oil companies are members. <laughs> and when the oil companies are joining you, you know you're doing okay. <laughs> wow. All the big fertilizer companies are there, all the chemical companies are there. Uh, all the industrial companies, all the engine manufacturers, Man Energy, uh, you know, everybody's there because they get it. You know, the shipping industry uh, has to get off Bunker Oil by 2030, and they got to get off. There's no question. Uh, and they're going to ammonia. Man Energy has a, a uh, 2024, they're putting out a, an ammonia engine for big freighters, and in 2025, a year later, a retrofit kit for all their existing engines. What? Uh, they're building wind pl- wind farms that generate ammonia, that have fuel stations for ocean freighters. The first one is under construction. It's a Leeds project so in the, the UK. The wind farms of the future will produce ammonia, not electricity? They're going to produce electricity, make ammonia. Oh. Electrolysis oh, right there. Oh, okay, I get you. Yeah. Uh, the Leeds has got 75 generators. It will fill 68 ocean freighters. Full fuel loaded day from one of them. So it's coming. It's coming fast. But, Jimmy, the oil and gas business is huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge, for, guys. The government okay? tip. Like, look, if we did a Manhattan project starting tomorrow just to get battery vehicles, every battery vehicle in Ontario running, uh, every every passenger car running on batteries in Ontario by 2035. We'd have to build a solar farm the size of the city of London. (laughs) Come on. Okay, like... Green energy didn't work out so well for Ontario selling to Samsung or whoever. Was it Samsung? Oh, God. Oh, God, please. And Germany figured out how green works. Mm -hmm. Here. Do you know that there's more? And Germany doesn't allow foreign ownership of property. Okay. They got smart. They don't. You can buy a house in Brussels if you live there. Right. You don't have to be from China. And well, they don't have the real estate yeah. spikes that Canada just had, having all the Chinese money okay. flowing through the. the but country. there's more foreclosures in Germany this year for energy poverty than there is for mortgage failures. Wow. Ten percent. Jeez. 10% of the properties will be foreclosed on for utilities. Wow. So, and, and that's where we're going to be. Do you know that the green energy bill from Kathleen Wynn for those wind and solar contracts is $90 billion? And that Wynn and Doug Ford have put between 5 and $7 billion a year of that on the taxpayer's bill? so that the hydro bills weren't even higher and all of our factories didn't close and move. So what's the wall that we hit then? When's this all going to hit us in the face? And I I mean, we're we're seeing it with $100 oil right now. We're getting a little bit of a taste of it, but when are we really going to be? We're going to be in big trouble in the fall. There's going to be a world food shortage. The world fertilizer shortage, world energy shortage, 
People be freezing in the dark in Europe. Gas will be $50 in MCF. And they'll be burning the pews in the church to stay warm. Oh, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> you asked. <laughs> well, maybe that's a it's good... It's not s- all bad, eh? It's not all bad. You know, don't be afraid. Uh, human beings have faced, you know, have faced challenges. The human race has faced challenges in the past. We just came through, and I don't care what your position is on whether you're a COVID denier or not, but we just came through what was probably one of the greatest medical miracles in 100 years. We managed in less than two years to vaccinate 80% of the world. That could never have been done in the past. It would be five years just to generate the vaccines. Uh, There are advances in medicine. There are advances in science. There are advances in energy and engineering every day, Jim. Um, there's lots to be hopeful for, but again, you know, we're human beings are very happy go lucky. Mm-hmm. We like to get punched in the head about three times before we notice it. Backed into the corner. So, do you have any? Yeah. Do you have any? Uh, while we're on that, and that'll be a nice segue into politics. Do you have any WEF concerns when it comes to the globalization of this whole, you know, we're going to, you know, have one world government to control. Like they're already talking about, you know, social credit system and traveling and, you know, digital IDs and digital currencies and, you know, like, you know, you get any WEF concerns. It's not the world economic forum. That's doing it, Jim. Okay. It's, it's politics. It's politicians. They're the guys, you know, in China that's got the spyware and they've got the social status. And Jesus, if you bought a hot dog from a bad vendor, your fucking credit rating goes down. Okay. Um, the Canadian government used the same technology during, during COVID to spy on who was doing what with their cell phones and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Drunk with it's, power. Well, look, okay, power corrupts and ultimate power corrupts ultimately. And if you have a system where there's no way to get rid of those that are in power, whether you just trade Tweedledee for Tweedledum for Tweedledee for Tweedledum, Mm -hmm. then nothing's going to change, okay? I mean, I'm not saying that the answer is to do it the way they did it in France in the 1700s, you know, uh, you know, posting, hoisting the head on a petard in the castle of the king in front of his castle, probably not the way to do it. But recall would be good. <laughs> you know, and maybe, and maybe we'll use recall for judges too. Not only do we not elect judges, but we can't get rid of them ever. So maybe we'll have recall for civil servants too. Mm. So. If you serve the public you keep your in job. any capacity, you're a garbage man, whatever. Oh, I see, yeah. You serve the public, you're supposed to serve the public. You don't serve the public, you get recalled. Hmm. If you get recalled, you get no pension, you get no severance, you get nothing. And you can never work in the public service again. And you can never work in the public sector again. 
And I hope that you end up as miserable and as destitute and as homeless as the lowest person you fucked over, which was the reason we recalled you, you piece of shit. Mm. And we wouldn't have to recall many judges before the fuckers would wake up, eh? Mm. We had a charter of rights that put the people in control. And then the judges in the first decade of the charter ruled after ruled after ruled in favor of people, in favor of the charter. And then they started what they what they do, and they always do. And they've sold us out. We don't have freedom of speech. We don't have the right to run for office. We don't have freedom of communications. If you're not a candidate for the four major parties, you'll be arrested at the local school for asking to speak. But in 1716, Ashley V. White in the Commons in the United States, in the United Kingdom, was decided when a police officer interfered with someone trying to vote. And a president was said, you not only have the right, you have a right to a remedy. Nobody can interfere with you. The Supreme Court of Canada ruled a year ago when a guy was at a protest who was legitimately protesting and 500 people around were radicals and they were going to assault him and brutalize him. So they arrested him. The police, the Supreme Court said, no, you don't arrest the person who is legitimately there. You arrest the people that are assaulting him and violating his rights. So I go to a debate at a school where I have a constitutional right to speak where I had the right to speak before the charter, where I've had the right since 1216, since the Magna Carta. But in Canada, I get arrested. Hmm. People wonder why I'm angry. (sighs) No lack of passion. So that's a great segue into none of the above party. You've been getting some press on that now. I see you got Crombie. He's stepping up this time. Yes, we uh, we were fortunate enough to get uh, to get uh, Brian Crombie, the um, businessman, highly respected. Um, <laughs> Look at you! You got your change uh, your virtual yeah. background. Uh, I, I, highly respected uh, <laughs> businessman. Been in Mississauga fifty years. He you know worked for Disney. He worked for Jim Patterson in BC. You know he ran the Mississauga Summit. He you know, blah, blah, blah. I think he was married to someone someone that got elected somewhere in Mississauga mm. named Crombie. I'm not who. Yeah, right. don't remember quite that's all about. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he's he's running for us. He uh, interviewed me on his show about a week ago. And oh, yeah. I was I was talking to him the same. I'm talking to you. He's and a I decent said, broadcaster. I caught a couple oh, of his shows. Guy, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I said, explain to me why we're not just like Hong Kong. And, oh, come on, Greg. Come on, Greg. And so an hour later, he said, you know what? I've been listening to Vesna for the last hour. <laughs> you know what? He's right. <laughs> the next night, he, he did a, a nine-minute diatribe at his own show, and at the end of it, he said, I'm running. No shit. Oh, that yeah. was a, uh, So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, at, look, at, all we want is uh, accountability. We want referenda, and we want recall, uh, and we want real accountability and transparency. You know, when you violate the conflict of interest act, there should be something more than a $500 fine. Like, come on. So, you know, we want transparency and accountability. So 
that people run for public office are actually capable of doing once they get elected what they started out to do before they get elected. Jim, you and I know dozens of people who've run for office with the most decent and honest of intentions Mm -hmm. and then have got elected and went to the first meeting with the whip. Right. And the whip says, hi, I'm the whip. Here's how it works. Mm -hmm. You're going to spend the next four years raising half a million dollars to fund your re-election campaign and to fund the party. Mm -hmm. And if you vote against us, if you say anything against us, if you ever do anything we don't like, you're out of the party. And you won't be at the meeting with me four years from now when I tell you to get the fuck out of my office. (laughs) And that's how it works. And nobody can tell me it doesn't that isn't a liar because I've been there. I know how it works. It used to be we didn't have party names on the ballot. You knew who your your candidate was. You had to go find out. Now, name that recognition. The BC party in the last election said if you're a white male and you were not an incumbent running again, you could not run. So the mayor of Inverness, BC, who had a one-year-old baby, informed his wife that he was bisexual. (laughs) He won the nomination, and he won the seat. Like... It's fucking... It's not not funny, man. It it really isn't. It's, it's, It's... Oh, my God. Look, I understand equality, and I understand that things weren't fair in the past. But you don't right the wrongs in the past by repeating exactly the same mistakes. <laughs> like, come on. Do you think, and so on do you think and we're at so a point now, you know, and I, 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 I'm, I was wrong, but I, I was hoping that a party, you know, regardless of what you think of them, like Max Bernier that was, you know, against the grain, that people were pissed off enough to vote for a new party. Do you think provincially? Because what are we going to do? Vote liberal? There's there's no alternative to Ford right now. You're going to try the NDP and do, do that Bob Ray experiment again? No. Do, like, I, I know I'm asking the wrong guy here, but can you, can you be hopeful enough that this is the time provincially we're going to be pissed off that we're going to try a new party that's got a brand new leader, a way of thinking, and is not a typical politician? Uh, no. No. <laughs> uh, that's the problem with talking to you but, is you're honest. But, but every but time. What we're going to do is, what we're going to do is, and this is the mistake the conservatives made with Max, um, what the Ford is doing is, um, the candidates are only debating in debates where there's only the four parties. They're not allowing uh, any debates with the new blue party. And the new blue party is going to have a candidate in every riding. And we're going to have candidate in over half the ridings. Okay. And they're refusing to debate. Okay. Uh, I've got a case before the court about debates on public property. Uh, and we may have a charter decision that says to the chief electoral officer, uh, there's no debates on public property without inviting everybody. Right. But they'll go on Chamber of Commerce debates mm-hmm. and they'll go on TV debates because they have to provide equitable coverage. So equitable means a thousand minutes 
for the major parties and one 30-second message that the names of the fringe parties would start with the rhinoceros and finish with the rhinoceros, even if they aren't on the ballot. And that's equitable coverage. Uh, so right now we can't do anything about broadcast debates. Uh, we're working on that. But a non-broadcast debate, the law is very clear and everybody's breaking the law, including the chief electoral officer. Mm-hmm. So if we win our case, then we're expecting the decision anytime, that's over. If we lose our case, then we're going to use small claims court. And we're going to start suing the candidates. We're going to sue the debate organizers for violating our pre-charter rights. Because the charter says any right that you had prior to the charter still exists. And we have a right since 1716 to participate in election debates. And anybody that interferes according to the Supreme Court uh, uh, is, is wrong and can be sued and can be prosecuted and can be put in jail for interfering with someone's uh, electoral activities. And any candidate that's involved in interference loses their seats. So we're going to make them spend a few hundred million dollars on legal fees and see how they like that one. Because I've had enough. Mm. So I've, I've spent 40 years using the courts, 40 years doing everything according to the rules, relying on this, the regulator, the CRTC, the chief electoral officer, uh, relying on the charter, relying on the UN accord that we signed, relying on the UN declaration on human rights that says, and political rights that says you can't discriminate against political thought and belief. And for 40 years since the charter got nowhere. So I'm not going to use the charter. I'm going to use common law and small claims court. So just watch. Something's coming next week if we don't get the decision against the chief. If the court ducks the chief electoral officer, we're ducking the court. How many candidates are going to like being sued for $35,000 by Three candidates in every riding. And they all got to go get lawyers. Mm. So, yep. All right. What year did you write Democracy A and how many? Oh, 19. Yeah, I wrote a book and I co-wrote with John Deverell. John Deverell was a Toronto Star reporter. And I was Mr. Hydrogen getting screwed that started the Green Party. I was the first candidate for the Greens in the first election. and became chief agent and treasurer. And I was basically saying, look, guys, no, no cost accounting, blah, blah, blah. Everything I've been saying for 40 years. And so Deborah said, I said, Deborah, let's just write a book about how little democracy we have. And I went to Frank Stroming. Yeah, he wrote the and forward. Frank, I said, Frank, we need 25000 to write this book. Frank says, I write the forward. I said, got it, Frank. And he wanted, a, he wanted a jury Senate where we elect the Senate. You pick 100 names out of the hat. There's 100 candidates. Go, which wouldn't actually be a bad idea. I think we'd be governed better by the dumbest people in the country than the smartest right now. But anyway, uh, so he paid for the book and it was very successful. It came out a month before the election. We said the conservatives would go from a majority of 160 seats to less than eight seats, less than the block. We said the block would become their majesty's loyal opposition because the conservatives, the uh, NDP, and the reform would get screwed on the splits. Mm-hmm. And everybody said I was on drugs. And then on election night, they were all asking me what drugs, because they all wanted to buy some. 
So how many, how many, have we addressed any of the issues that you um, detailed in Democracy A? Or is yeah, it all- referenda, recall, and accountability. Same thing, same thing I'm fighting for today. So we haven't done anything and- on any of those points. Nothing. No, in fact, all of the transparency and accountability things that the Trudeau government promised, not only did they promise electoral reform, but they promised like 50, 46 things that they would do. Freedom of information, blah, 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 blah. All the stuff that they bitched about the Harper government doing, they've they they ditched every single one of them. So, you know, I mean, they mastered it. It's It's like the liberals got caught, you know, buying campaign ads saying, hey, vote liberal. You know, during, and the auditor general went after them. So the liberals made it illegal to buy campaign ads, you know, parties to buy political ads about what a great government we are during the campaign. And Doug and the conservatives screamed for years about them doing it. So they finally passed a law against it. And then Doug Ford got elected. What did he do? He killed the law. <laughs> the liberals got caught in corruption and corporate contributions. The largest contributor to the Liberal Party was an alcohol fuels company. They gave 485,000 to liberals and they got 153, 163 million in in grants, okay? So they got caught for that. They got caught in Sudbury for bribing the guy on the nomination, right? So, so what do they do? So they make corporate donations illegal and they make the limit 1,200 bucks. So what does Doug Ford do? Well, and they made a law that you could only contribute your your own money and you had to be able to prove it. So Doug Ford gets elected, he raises the limit to $3,000 and he takes about the section of law about you have to prove it was your own money. So of course, uh, like Dean Del Mastro, who was a good conservative, who, you know, went and got multiple corporate contributions from his brother's company and got arrested and did the perp walk uh, Dougie said it's okay to do the same thing because we can't arrest you anymore because you don't have to have proof it was your own money. <laughs> so all the corporations, all the big companies, all the developers, look at the go on the Elections Ontario website. Everybody in the building is donating 3000 bucks to the Conservatives, but it's not a corporate donation. No, it's just everybody that works there. And they all got $3,000 bonuses at Christmas. Like, Perfectly legal. This country is more corrupt than than Hong Kong. This country is as corrupt as, as fucking Russia. Well, more so. Now we got a public inquiry into the Emergencies Act that they're going to just get that completely stacked with their own judge and everything, you know? And, and they, they passed a rule saying we can close the House with a voice vote. No longer have to have a motion. We'll just say, ah, we're leaving. As soon as you ask a minister a question, he doesn't want to answer. Hi, we're out of here. It's so. If it wasn't true, it wouldn't be so. You funny. couldn't fucking write. You a couldn't fiction. write this in a comedy script, okay? No, you can't. Oh my god! Out. And Canadians are fools. Mm-hmm. And you know, if the fifty percent of people that don't vote, if just one out of five of those would go vote for none of the above, we'd win 40 seats and we'd decide who the government is. Mm-hmm. And if one out of three of them voted, we'd win every seat. Every seat 
So it's there. And all over the world, new parties uh, have come out of nowhere, but they have electoral systems that allow it to happen. We don't because we got first past the post. But all over the world, parties have come from nowhere and ended up in one election opposition and the next election government. We had it happen in Quebec with the ADQ. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it can be done. But you see, in Quebec, they understand democracy a little bit. You know, you know they're very smart politically. Yeah, they, uh, they know when to vote for a liberal and when not to. And it's like you were saying, we're going to start the Block Ontario Party. Yeah, well, I tried to start that years ago. Barry Sherman. Really? Uh, Barry Sherman gave me $50,000 to do some polling. I hired John Lassinger. And we did a whole bunch of focus group on polling to start the Solutions Ontario Party. A federal, was a federal party, a federal party that would his... elect the government based on the Ontario votes? Yeah, well, because Ontario was sending 100 MPs to Ottawa that were all liberals. So Barry said, well, if they didn't have if we got 10 of them, we'd, we'd have them. They'd be a minority and we'd make them do what we want. So here's 50 grand, go start a party. I love Barry. He was so much fun. People have no idea how much fun he was. Mm. Give me a commercial recruiting uh, pitch for why would anyone, especially if they're not politically motivated, want to run for none of the above party. I was telling my buddy the other day, I said, dude, you, you, you want to you raise money to, to ride your drum and bass bike across the country? Run as a candidate, man. <laughs> You know me in political financing, <laughs> but uh, well, talk to I have me no about comment on that. Well, uh, one guy told me one time, play within the rules and exploit them fully. Don't go outside. Just make sure you exploit them completely. Like well, that well that is true. Was pretty the good only problem with that is there's what's called public scrutiny. And there's True. personal morality. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, of course, not speaking for you, Jim, but um, the none of the above party would never transgress a, an electoral law regulation to the point where, uh, although it would be legal, it would be embarrassing. Mm, yeah. Uh, Save and accept if we're doing the Niagara Rocks thing with Jim Bannon. The same, yeah. yeah, yeah. The yeah. same guy also told me don't do anything that you wouldn't want on the front page of the Globe and Mail. So That's correct. Yeah. Or did I also tell you that it doesn't really matter what they say about you as long as they spell your name right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's they no know such who to thing vote as for. <laughs> no, there's no such thing as bad PR. Anyways, give me the pitch about uh, recruiting candidates. Why would anyone want to do this? Right now well, in Ontario. Become no great change in history. All great changes in history have been started by a very small group of determined people. Margaret Mead. All it takes for us to have the success we're looking for, which is to force direct democracy, to force referendum, to force recall, to force accountability into our political system, is for us to get five, six, seven percent of the vote. Because as soon as that happens, we start affecting the outcome of elections. And the major parties start doing the math. And this is what I was talking about earlier. We start making conservatives lose. That's what's going to happen to Doug Ford. They're suppressing the true blue party. They're suppressing us. People are not going to go run out to vote for an incumbent. They go to vote for defeat. 
and they're going to vote for the true blue party in massive numbers. And Doug's 40% in the polls is going to be 32 or 33. And the Liberals are going to be 28, 29, 30. And the NDP are going to be 24, 25. And there's going to be, you know, 2% going to the other fringe parties. And Doug is going to be five seats short of his majority. And on election night, Andrea and good old Steve are going to hug. And whatever one of them won the most seats is going to be the premier the next day. And the only thing Doug can do is try and do what they did in BC and say, I'm still premier until I lose a vote in the House of Commons in Queen's Park. And I don't have to call the House back for 364 days. <laughs> and he'll govern illegally. That's what he'll do. He won't call the House back. He won't concede. And he'll try and govern. You watch. And it'll be because the Conservatives are refusing to debate the true blue party. The reason the Conservatives lost the federal election is they refused to debate Max. Their candidates wouldn't go in debates with Max. And people in the riding saw it. That was the end of it. So look at the protest vote right now in this country is about 25%. Yeah, but they're voting for traditional parties still, though, most. No, no, no. That's the protest vote. For the smaller ones. That's the, the percentage of the people will go out and vote if, if, if there's something for them to vote for. Oh, I guess haven't so. had that chance yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, they did it in Quebec. Mm-hmm. They did in Atlantic Canada. They elected the Atlantic part, you know. Uh, so it's there. The soft underbelly is there. And all you got to do to make Canadians upset is to tell them you're fucking somebody. We don't like it, eh? So I think the Conservatives are in big trouble in Ontario because they're running a front-runner campaign and they're trying to hide from voters and they're trying to hide from opposition. And they're going to be in big trouble. And I also think as soon as the public starts to see Steve Del Duca up close, <laughs> oh my God. Okay. As soon as someone asks him in the debate as premier, if, if every decision that's made, he will override it and build a subway stop in his riding. <laughs> oh, no, we're talking about a highway in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will you build an exit ramp in your riding? Because that's what you did as transportation minister. You sounded us with $12 billion for two stops for 1,200 people. We could have bought them all a Cadillac, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Cheaper than that fucking subway stop. We could have, we could have bought every one of them a limousine driver for twenty years, <laughs> to and from work. <laughs> Again, I, it, it, you got to take the clown pill, man, because like yeah. there's you, there's nothing you can do but just fucking laugh. I hate to say it yeah. that way, but like it, it's just so insane right now, you know. And who ever thought in 1993, when I ran my first election. Recruited personally by you to keep the party alive, to run 50 candidates, to get the, that's when Mulroney said 50 candidates are, were deregistering you and dissolving the party and taking all your, not that they had any assets to take, but how many, like I was one of those 50 some odd, how many did we end up running that time? Just over Uh, 50? 65 or something. We got over the line. Mm -hmm. Kathy and I funded Jim Harris, Jim Harris, who was the leader uh, I found 25,000 in deposits for candidates from candidates or board or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they had the first 25, but they had no money. 
And uh, I was the federal chief agent and treasurer. In fact, it's illegal for the federal party to uh, fund. The federal party can give $100 for every candidate the provincial party runs. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, but the federal party had no money. Right. And we had a house. You remember? We had a mm-hmm. pretty big house. Mm-hmm. So we went down to the old line of credit department and said, where do we sign? And we, we lent them the, the 25000 And they paid back with no interest 10 years later. Yeah, we didn't want interest. In fact, when the party got a million-dollar campaign subsidy and we asked for our money back, the entire council said, no, you're not having it. You can have a tax receipt. <laughs> and Jim Harris said, fuck you, he's getting his money. <laughs> so thank you, Jim Harris. You still talk to Jim Harris? I love Jim Harris. I mean, he and I don't agree because he's a Kool-Aid drinking fool who thinks that if you're green, you have the right to be heard. And if you don't agree with me, you don't have the right to speak. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm being unfair. I mean, unfair. I, he's not as bad as as uh, as uh, Mike Schreiner, who says, oh, well, everybody should speak. But I'm going on every debate without them anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, you know, but. You know, Jim is a Jim is a is a green establishment guy. So, you know, does the Green Party of uh, of Canada say the word ammonia? Nope. Nobody. Uh, the Green Party of Ontario does. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's in their green plan. Wow! Surprising. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all of the stuff in the Green Party of Canada about ammonia that was there, there was stuff there for decades, written by Richard Belshire, not written by me. All was deleted when Elizabeth May showed. Mm, well, I've been working on Max. Uh, he say, he refuses to. He says, "Government, you know, we shouldn't pick winners and losers as political parties." I get that you say the same thing, but I think I've got him turned around on proportional representation. And yeah, I saw that. Well, yeah, he's, he's he, he, hey, he missed he, the boat last time. No, as far as he's I'm a concerned. bright guy, eh? And, and I, and, I told and more him more and more that you show him grade five mathematics, <laughs> like. Like and if you show him mathematics and phonics together, oh my God! Can you imagine <laughs> if he actually knew what to say and what to say about it, instead of just spewing bullshit? I mean, uh, espousing his wonderful policies. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay. Anyway, maybe that'll be in the next platform for the PPC. Yeah. But yeah, are yeah. you? No, uh, look. Okay, look. Do you what have really another the above federal party? One election, what needs to happen is all the small parties need to get together and run an alliance candidate. One candidate in every riding mm-hmm. that's supported by everybody but the shit piles mm-hmm. and say, here's your chance. Here's your chance to show them enough. Mm. What would that party and, be called? And have them win the balance of power. Mm-hmm. And then what's the price for whoever wants to govern? Mm-hmm. Here's my list. Yeah. So I asked that when I did the debate in 2000, when I did the federal all-party debate for the small parties in 2000, I asked that question. I was uh, Actually, the question was on crime and punishment. And I said, I'm supposed to ask a question on crime and punishment. Uh, and I think it's a crime that the media won't let the small parties on TV on debates. And I think they should be punished for it. <laughs> but I'm going to change my question. And my question was, if you had the one seat it took, it was a tie, and you had the one seat that decided who was going to be prime minister, what would you ask for? 
and none of them were bright enough to take the bait. The communist guy said, oh, that's a scary scenario from hell. Jesus, man, I just gave you the biggest, you know, softball swat right there across, ever was. Right you called me plate. an idiot. Oh, God. But that said, the small party debate was more fun and better than any debate I've ever seen with the major parties because you had a bunch of ordinary people being honest with their answers. Mm-hmm. And it's refreshing mm-hmm. to someone say to a question, I don't have a fucking clue what the answer is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, Vez, how do we uh, get a hold of you and uh, give you some love or help pitch? None of the above. N-O-T-A dot C-A. Nata dot C-A. No. If you really care about our democracy, step up. Put your name on the ballot. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to campaign. You don't have to do anything. You need 25 signatures, which you can get in two hours. You tell people, under the law, I can't get on the ballot. If that's 25 people say I have the right to be on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Sir, do you believe in democracy in Canada, or do you think that only uh, the major parties should have the right to be heard? Eh? And, and even the, the conservatives sign your papers when they hear that one. Yeah, what's the fee? What's the entrance fee now? Nothing. No money. No entry. There's no. Uh, Supreme Court ruled I was unconstitutional in the Green Party case. Thousand dollar deposit was gone. Unconstitutional. Oh, I didn't know that. So you need yeah. twenty five signatures. No deposit provincially. No deposit. In municipalities sometimes the municipality is asking for a deposit, but they're about to get a big surprise. They're going to be in court hmm. who, who because else? it's unconstitutional. Um, who else are you working for? Star candidates other than Crombie. Or can't you say? Uh, well, we uh, we had uh, the fember- federal ombudsman, Matt Stilgren, the military uh, ombudsman in uh, Orleans. Uh, we have Adam Nobody, the guy that got arrested at the G20 and beat up by the cops. He's running for us. We have Mark Adonato at our, in Ottawa Center. He's a very famous artist, uh, uh, well-known. Uh, we have many, many uh, well-known business people uh, in Mississauga in uh, Mississauga Streetsville, we have the man that used to run uh, Licks Restaurants, I believe. Oh, yeah. uh, well-known entrepreneur. So yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of really good candidates. I loved your post the other day that started out with Mark Emery and I smoked weed with Justin Trudeau, and it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful, yeah. man. Yeah, well, I, you know, we were at the Idea City Conference in uh, two thousand and two or three. And Emery was speaking, and I'm friend of Moses's, right? And so he used to invite me to these things. And uh, anyway, uh, Trudeau was there with Jerry Butts. Jerry and, Butts is, uh, is he a, as big a scumbag? Has he always been a slippery snake, or if was he is he like a good hang? He just okay. seems like such a weasel. Jerry Butts is the guy that put me in the room with with Dal McGinney and right. and Murray McLaughlin and. Uh-huh. And uh, Peter Regenstrafe and got him to promise to run in favor of PR and having a referendum. And then Dalton didn't. He did the opposite. He ran against him. So then Jerry Botts was in the room with me and Justine in Ottawa or Montreal, the convention in 2013. And he said, Vesna, support us. We'll do your electoral reform. Okay. I said, Jerry, 
Fuck me once, shame on you. Fuck me twice, shame on me. Oh, no, oh, no, he said. I'm stupid, hey? Yeah. No, I knew you, he you didn't even get a kiss first. I didn't, exactly. So Coming anyway, from a guy like Jerry Butts, what did you expect? You knew where you were going to take that penetration. Well, I, I actually figured that he actually learned what I told him, which was in a PR system, the liberals govern forever. Mm-hmm. They're always in power forever. Mm-hmm. They just make deals with the opposition. You just make deals with the right, the guy on the right when they got the most seats, and the guy on the left when they got the most seats. Mm-hmm. And you'd be a weather vane, which is what liberals are anyway. Yeah, I mean, they don't have any principles. They've been They're liberals. that way for more than eight years now with, you know, like, well, the, oh, and you get the block, you get Daddy. the conservatives, you get... Uh, and Jeff, the conservatives got no principles either. So. me Trudeau. But, yeah. So, hello, what's the difference? All right, I love you. Anybody just watch election night. The Drupal party is going to get enough votes. Doug's going to be unemployed. And they'll deserve it. And I warned them all. I've told senior people, I know people in the Conservative Party, huh? I've told senior people that what's going to happen. I told their pollster to go poll it. He says if Drupal gets anything more than 5%, Doug loses. You know what? There's a poll coming out on Friday. They're at 7%. No shit. Doug's fucked. And it's too late. It's, he's fucked. Okay? What? Just watch. Just watch. I was saying uh, I thought there was no one to vote for in Ontario other than none there of is. the above. There's a and... protest vote that's going to claim we're the only freedom party there is. And guess what? 15 to 25% of the vote is there for the taking, and over half of their vote is from people that have never voted before. Hmm. Well, maybe there is hope for democracy. Well, you take the voter turnout from 55 to 62 or 63%, and you give 5, 6, 7% to, to a fringe party, because a fringe party, anybody that's not a mainstream party is a fringe lunatic, right? Mm-hmm. You know where fringe party came from? No. It was invented by Richard Nixon and the Republicans for the use uh, the, the term of anybody that opposed the war. They were the fringe lunatic fighting the military uh-huh. establishment. And so what does our mainstream media do today? If you have any opinion that's not approved by someone who gave them $600 million in public money, you're a fringe lunatic. What did Trudeau call anybody that disagrees with them? A fringe, a terrorist? Yeah. Fringe money. Criminal? Fringe minority. If I ever had power, CBC and CTV and TVO, every one of them would lose their licenses. They'd be out of business. I'd take their fucking licenses away from from a minute, and I'd give them to Al Jazeera and Russia Today. Who cover the news properly and don't get it. We'll any get more truth from a lying fucking Russian <laughs> than they'll ever get from their own media. Yeah, and he just went and dropped a whole bunch of dough on the media right across the country, and now they're all singing Justin Trudeau's tune. Big surprise there. Now they're all CBC. Now they're all state-funded media. Well, oh, but when, when 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 Rebel Television or when True North wanted to go to the leaders' debate, mm-hmm. well, you aren't legitimate media. And they went to the Supreme Court, a court in the federal court said, yeah, you know what, Mr. Former... Former Governor General, Ash Kisser, Chairman of the Debate Commission, 
No, you don't get to violate the charter either there, Adolf. <laughs> then they shot that poor girl with a beanbag gun that worked for Rebel News, too. <laughs> oh, I know, hey, like Jesus, okay? Like, hello. Uh, wow. You know, but I'm a lunatic. Well, we could call you worse. <laughs> you call me worse on a good day. <laughs> All right, are we done, Jim? We're done, my brother. Hang on. All I'll right, just I love get... you anytime, eh? I love you too, man. And uh, right. yeah, that was uh, what? That was an hour and a half, right on the money. Hour and a half. So yeah, we should get seven or eight views. That'll be great. Yeah, we had uh, seven or eight constant viewers the whole time, and it's better. All right, done. see, better, I'm better a star I've now. <laughs> better than I've done in a long time. <laughs> All right, the links are in the show description. Vez, I love you. We'll talk. Uh, I'll talk. I'll call you tomorrow offline. And we'll talk. Yeah. Okay. Don't you bleep any of my f words, dude? What do you think? <laughs> Censor anything? I don't think we said anything that's going to get me kicked off of YouTube. Actually, so we're good. What did I say? I said unicorn farts yeah, smell like I think, ice cream. I think we're good, baby. Okay. All right. Love you, brother. Bye. Right, talk bye. soon. <sighs> That's how you do that. It's like interviewing myself. Exhausting. Except I don't do interviews. That's Greg Vesna. The links are in the show description below. Below me or above me. A friend of mine used to say. Uh, let's see. How do I get out of this? And then this. Okay, let's. Uh, I'll take you through a little bit of this. Uh, there we go. A couple of the links. Why is my? There we go. Um, none of the above party. Okay, so all the, these links are in the show description. I did do a brief run through on the way in. Um, Newswires, none of the above direct democracy party ahead in 2022 Ontario election nominations. That was in February, so that's a little bit dated. That's when they're actually leading the nominations. This is uh, April 1st. Two more candidates for the ballot. Greg gets a mention here and some, and some quotes. Here we have a news release. Hydrogen fuel, sorry, hydrofuel gains patented hydrogen Ammonia fuel release and energy station tech with contact acquisition. Crombie running in Mississauga. In case you don't know, Bonnie Crombie is the mayor of Mississauga, right? That's her husband. <clears throat> Green ammonia and hydrogen now cheaper than fossil fuels. See, there's 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 absolutely no reason for sticking with old technologies. Hydrofuel, this is nh3fuel.com. This is Vez's site, and you, there's all kinds of links up here. This is Vez on the Twatter. He doesn't use Twatter all that much. April 26th. Oh, well, here's Alex Vesna. Okay, well, i got to retweet that. Alex is uh, Greg's son. <laughs> Brilliant. The whole family's genius. Kristen... Kathy, Greg, crazy, crazy smart. 
so yeah, there's Vesna on the Twitter. Twitter.com slash Greg Vesna. Oh, and it's oh shit. I'm I'm a half an hour late for my show. Gavin's on. So I gotta go. Peace. Love. Hug your neighbor. And whatever you do, rip that fucking mask off your face. I'm I'm love you. I'm love you long time. I love you. I am out.